I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to the Kind Parenting Company podcast. I'm Jackie Ward. And I'm Kylie Camps. Join us as we explore topics and share evidence-based information, all while honoring our commitment to kind parenting practices. This is a safe space for conversation and reflections on parenting and motherhood, designed to best support you in raising your little loves and to be the parent you want to be. We are so excited that you're here. Let's jump into today's episode. This episode is 100% about communication and behavior, because when it comes to communication and behavior, they go hand in hand. Specifically, I'm speaking about toddlers, but this relates to everyone, I feel, especially us as adults. But today's episode is a solo episode, and I'm going to be sharing with you a little bit of the audio, I guess, although I'm going to re-speak it. It's not directly from the program, but give you a little bit of a glimpse into our toddler life program. So if you've not heard of our toddler life program, it's one of the most popular programs that the kind parenting company offers. The KPC, as I often call it, is an online parenting resource. We specialize in programs and support for babies and toddler sleep and also toddler behavior. Now, toddler life covers toddler behavior, but it also covers sleep. It is our biggest program in terms of the information and also just what you have access to because toddler life comes with over 10 hours of audio. So if you are enjoying podcasts and you also consider yourself to be a kind and conscious and aware parent, this may be something you want to invest in for yourself and your family. You will receive Toddler Life instantly, the written component, and also steps on how to access those audio files. So you don't need to listen to all 10 hours at once because I have a feeling if you listen to 10 hours straight of my voice, you will never want to hear from me again. But you can listen in bite-sized portions. You can choose the topics, the chapters that you want to know about and that are relative to you in that moment or that you just feel an impulse to listen to. So Toddler Life is available on the Kind Parenting Company website and I'm going to share a discount code for you for 25% off, which is a huge saving. So to access that, simply head to the website, thekindparentingcompany.com. I'll pop a direct link in the show notes and use the code TODDLER PODCAST, all in capitals. So when I began working on Toddler Life, I originally kind of put communication and behavior in separate chapters, but I realized as I began working on it that I just could not clearly divide the two topics because in my opinion, they are super, super connected. They go hand in hand. Many families are unaware of communication frustration and the way that it can present itself. 
It sometimes looks like being naughty, in commas there, in my inverted air brackets, and it can be seen in the form of biting, hitting, meltdown, screaming, headbanging, kicking, and tantrums. It's really heartbreaking as a parent to see your toddler emotionally distressed and angry, and it's really easy to understand why we as parents and adults in general and other children look at that behavior and see it as poor behavior when so much of it stems from a frustration of not being able to communicate or make sense of things. My goal with this chapter is to help you understand the link between these types of outbursts and that communication so that you can be aware and empathetic whilst implementing new strategies. I really, really want parents to feel calmer and more confident when this behavior occurs. So let's take a moment now to think about the time when our toddler was a newborn, when they were an infant. As a baby, their method of communication is crying. As a baby, they cry. And we, the carer, respond to meet the need. The needs of a baby typically stay within the realm of feeding, sleeping, and nappy change, physical connection, and playtime. As your baby grows away from infancy and towards toddlerhood, they are experiencing more major developmental growth leaps. Your little one is taking in so much more. They're beginning to observe processes, actions, reactions, expressions, tone, and language. They are trying hard to take everything in and figure things out. Communicating with your child is, in my opinion, the most underrated behavior or discipline technique out there. Clear, concise, consistent, and caring communication is pretty much playing offensively rather than playing defensively. It's putting you on the front foot rather than catching up. It's much better to lay a good foundation of behavior and understanding than it is to try and change behaviors or to build a child's self-esteem later on in life. The act of communicating and what I like to call over-communicating when it comes to our little ones really can make the world of difference to your whole toddlerhood experience. Take the time throughout each day to talk through what is happening This can apply for pretty much any circumstance. I found it to be an amazing tool when getting out and about. Babies, toddlers and children respond well and do better, in adverted commas, when they have a grasp of what is coming next. Stability, consistency and predictability really do help a developing mind to feel safe and content. When a toddler can predict the outcome or the next step in a ritual, such as choosing two books before bedtime, it serves as a building block of self-confidence. He or she will feel proud of themselves when they know what is coming next. And you can set your little one up for success by talking about the plan for the day, that hour or that outing. I've always used the phrase, the plan, with the boys, and I still do now. They're creeping towards seven, as they keep reminding me, and I'll often say, so the plan is, and it's like we get in like a little huddle, and it just, I guess, provides them with that clarity on what to expect, because as I just said, it can help build confidence when they know what to predict. I have seen 
firsthand how amazing it is for comprehension and behavior when children are informed. The way in which I would use this phrase is as follows. The plan for going into the shops is to sit in the trolley, eat an apple, you can help mummy pay for the food and then we'll walk back to the car. Or another example could be, the plan for visiting grandma and grandpa is to play with the dogs, go for a walk and then have some lunch and after lunchtime, we'll go home. Providing the structure for outings has always helped them to identify what is coming next and when it will be time to go home. You can use this approach for younger toddlers staying at home also by using a phrase such as, the plan is to read two books, say goodnight to your bear, and then we go to sleep. As your child's language develops, it's nice to include him or her in chatting about the plan for the day or for that moment. It takes time and practice, and as a parent, you need to show consistency regardless of how mundane it might feel to you. You must keep in mind that your child is going through rapid growth and development and the more security and reassurance we can provide, the better. Familiarity breeds confidence when it comes to little ones. In my experience, children who have consistency, clear boundaries and good communication do well even when unexpected situations arise. I know that a lot of parents might be fearful of being too consistent for fear of creating a habit that the child doesn't want to break or maybe fear of that child not coping with change. However, toddlers are super resistant and adaptable and when the majority of their life is stable, the occasional extra late night or chaotic day will be handled as well as he or she can, remembering that the idea of over-communicating and consistency is to build confidence, meaning it will help your child to cope and thrive when those unexpected situations do arise. One of the topics that I really felt strongly about including, and I know so many parents feel strongly about too, is the topic of manners. We received so many emails and messages about how to instill good manners into children, And the short and sharp way is to just lead by example. But that said, the best way to ensure that your toddler grows up using their manners is really, as I said, to use them yourself. Notice how you speak to and in front of your child. How do the people closest to you speak? Use the language that you want your toddler and future children to use. It is astounding to hear the way some parents speak in front of their kids, and then they're surprised when their kids repeat that as well. If you don't use manners yourself, it's a really, really big ask to try and instill that value in your children. As your toddler begins to speak in sentences, you can encourage manners by repeating their sentence with manners attached, such as if your toddler says, want milk? You can return the sentence by saying, I want milk, please, mum. Keep the structure simple and repeat it in a positive way. Stay consistent with repeating and using the word please, and he or she will catch on when possible. Learning manners does not need to be super hard. 
You don't need to go over the top and refuse your child's request or demand as he or she uses their manners. Just continue to remind them positively and it will catch on. Consistency, like so many things in life, is paramount. I can remember that the boys started to say what when they couldn't hear us. So we just started saying, not what, pardon, or excuse me, and then answering them. Within a few days of consistently reminding them to say pardon or excuse me, it made all of the difference. And nine out of 10 times now, they will correct themselves. Yesterday, this is from the program, I asked one of my little guys, what was the best part of your day? And he replied, we don't say what mum, we say pardon, which was so, so cute. And I had to rephrase and say, tell mummy the best part of your day. Repetition, consistency, praise and modeling manners is an easy way to teach your child to include them in their own vocabulary. Emotional awareness is a topic that I'm very, very passionate about. Again, not just for toddlers, but for everyone. When it does come to our little ones though, identifying feelings and encouraging safe communication is incredibly beneficial for every family member. And like a lot of things, how we handle our feelings is a learned behavior. When you become a parent, whether you like it or not, you become a role model for your child. And as they grow, they will mirror so many of your behaviors back to you. It can be a little confronting at times. Helping our boys to identify and name their feelings has been a really valuable practice for us all. It's really common for them when they were little to use a sentence such as, I'm very upset or it makes me sad when. And this has been a lifesaver because it means rather than a full-on tantrum occurring, we can discuss the cause of the emotion, decide on an appropriate action if any is needed, and then move on with the day. Don't get me wrong, they were not (laughs) complete robotic angels. They would have their moments for sure. They would have the odd tantrum. And I personally found the age of three to be far more challenging than the age of two. So many people speak about the terrible twos, but I found three to be very emotional. For the most part, though, they were very aware of their feelings and they've continued to be now and how to express themselves. I think that because I've always taken the time to bring awareness to their emotions, it's really helped them identify what's going on. And in turn, as a parent, it makes your life, it made my life so much easier. As you move through your day, try to model emotional awareness and intelligence as often as you can from as young as possible. You can talk about your feelings with your baby and your toddler. This builds awareness, familiarity and empathy. Help your little one with identifying feelings. This can take place as often as possible throughout the day and for all emotions, not just for sad ones. As a parent, one of the greatest gifts we can give our children is to be emotionally well ourselves. Get to know your own strengths and weaknesses. Share your thoughts and feelings with your family and model a safe place to be your true self. It is important not to use your feelings as bribery or manipulation. 
but feel free to share how you feel when your child displays a caring attitude, completes a task, or any other moment that you feel particularly proud of them. Similarly, if it's a funny word, isn't it? Similarly, if your toddler is acting out, you can also share how that behavior makes you feel, but only once you've addressed their emotions first. There's very little point in telling a toddler who is in the midst of a meltdown that you are feeling sad about it. Wait until he or she has calmed down and then you might be able to include your feelings in a discussion. For example, you could say, I feel so happy when you share your toys. I feel really happy and proud when you say please. I feel sad when you hit me. It hurts. Using this type of language frequently encourages your toddler to identify their feelings. Naming a feeling can take some of the frustration away and help with behavior. This will help to set you both up for success when it comes to tantrums. When you notice your little one feeling happy or sad, help them to name it. Verbally and purposefully teaching your child about feelings is such a gift. If you're not doing it with intention, please understand you are still doing it unintentionally. Because again, your little one is learning from their first role model constantly, and that's you. When a child becomes overwhelmed with emotion, they often don't have an appropriate way to express it. It will funnel into an action which often resembles a tantrum or acting out. I really believe that by teaching our little ones about pathways to handle their emotions, we are setting our kids up for success. And I know that can sound like a big task. It can sound tricky and overwhelming, but you can help your toddler by keeping things simple and consistently reiterating how to process emotions to act in a positive way. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. When I talk about a pathway for handling emotions, I'm referring to the thought process or series of actions to help manage their frustration. We can teach our children this through repetition and storytelling. For example, if your son or daughter is laughing and smiling at a new toy or friend, talk about it with him or her. You could say, I can see you're really happy when you play with that toy. Do you feel happy when you see your friend? Smiling and laughing makes us feel happy, doesn't it? Encourage your child to notice the feeling and you can do the exact same thing with sadness or anger. I can see that you feel sad when your sister takes your toy. Do you feel upset when you bump your head? You can also take their real life experiences and turn them into a story. Share it with them to help your toddler to follow the emotional journey of becoming upset, acting out, coming down and a positive action. We must remember a toddler mind is not an adult mind. 
It's our job to help our little ones to make sense of their emotions. They may not understand right now that a feeling will come and go, but we can help them along their journey by sharing and naming the feelings. Emotional awareness is incredibly powerful for a toddler. It can be the difference between a crying and kicking tantrum versus a smaller cry and an expression such as, I feel upset. It's important to allow your toddler to feel their feelings and not override or belittle their emotions. Rather than assuring him or her that it's fine or all right, you might like to try sharing a time that you also felt a similar feeling. This can breed empathy and strengthen the bond that you have. It can often work as a thought redirector as well to calm your little one down. For example, if you imagine your toddler is playing with an older sibling and you can see your toddler is becoming agitated and that he or she has tried to hit the older sibling and is now becoming upset. The first thing you might do is move to their level and come to their eye height. If you can't come down to the right level and it's safe to do so, you can bring them up to you. That might mean lifting them up to a kitchen bench if it's safe. Identify the feeling next by using a phrase such as mummy or daddy or whoever can see that you feel angry. Or for an older toddler, you might ask, how are you feeling? Name the feeling and discuss it together. Anger doesn't feel that great, does it? Everyone gets angry sometimes. Do you feel angry because you are worried that your sister or brother would take your toy? Do you feel angry because you don't want to share? Next, you can empathize and reassure. It's okay to feel angry. Sometimes I feel angry too. If you feel angry, let's try and use our words and say, I feel angry. Sometimes when I'm angry, I like to, and then you can share some of the things that help you. You might say, I like to go outside and look at the clouds, or I like to take a few deep breaths. Again, reassure them. It's okay to feel anger, and I understand why you feel angry. Next, you can talk it out if it's age appropriate. You could help them to put that anger into perspective, and I guess give them the words by saying, I can see that you were happily playing and then when your sister joined in, I think that maybe you felt sad or angry because you were worried that your sister was going to take your toy. Is that right? When you feel angry, I want you to use your words and come and tell mummy. Next, you can offer a choice or action if it's appropriate, such as, would you like to keep playing now that you know your sister won't take your toy? Well, let's get your toy together and carry on with our game. Now, the last two parts of communication frustration that I want to address are biting and hitting. Biting is a classic, perhaps even a number one sign of communication frustration. It's super common for a toddler to bite themselves or those around them as a way of expressing their frustration. It is understandably upsetting for everyone involved when this happens. For you as a parent, for your toddler and the person who was bitten. If it's another toddler child or baby who has been bitten, their parent will also find this whole situation uncomfortable. While it can often be explained as frustration, it is important to also address this behavior appropriately. 
Many experts agree that minimizing negative attention is important here. So rather than making a big fuss and dragging out the situation, focus the attention towards the child or the adult that has been bitten without fully withdrawing from the biter. Address the potential cause of the action by acknowledging their frustration or anger, but also be firm with the direct directive of no biting. Now, the example that I share in Toddler Life goes as follows. Tom bites Ava. The instant directive could be no Tom. That is biting and we don't bite. Focus attention then on the bitten child, in this case Ava, while keeping in contact with Tom, such as holding his hand or keeping him close. Shift attention to the cause using statements and questions if age appropriate, such as, I know you bit Ava because you felt angry, but we don't bite. No biting. Or, did you bite Ava because she took your toy and that made you angry? We do not bite. Again, you can use the emotional pathway tactic with your toddler here and take them through the steps that led to biting and provide other options. In most cases, biting will cease as your toddler's ability to communicate and understand the processes improves. Biting can also stem from developmental leaps such as teething and environmental changes such as starting daycare, a holiday, a new sibling arriving or any other big life changes like moving from a cot to a toddler bed perhaps. When changes occur, it can be overwhelming for toddlers, particularly those you may describe as more sensitive. Some children may try biting after observing it In that case, it can be a learnt behaviour. They may see a child in their class or sibling bite and then notice the attention and process that as an effective way to gain the attention of their carer. In order to determine the possible cause, it's really helpful to document the behaviour and assess if a pattern is emerging. You may think that the biting is a random act, but If it happens a lot or a couple of times, you may find recording the time, frequency and circumstances surrounding the biting could reveal a pattern. You may identify a commonality that you could skip if you don't record it. So what I mean by this is you might find that by jotting it down, you notice that biting is always happening right before morning tea time or biting is always happening when when your child is playing with other children, or biting is happening at whatever time of the day, or a specific trigger, and it just will give you that intel. Another case study that we included in Toddler Life goes like this. Archie is three years old and has recently started biting his mum and dad. He has not bitten any of his daycare friends, but has tried to bite the teachers. Mum and Dad are not sure how to manage the biting. Dad has bitten Archie back softly to try and demonstrate the pain it causes, but this did not seem to help and it really only made Archie more upset. We suggested in this instance that Mum and Dad and his daycare teachers kept track of the date, time and events leading up to the biting in order to establish if there is in fact a pattern. 
After a week of monitoring the bites, mum and dad could easily identify some commonalities, such as the biting was only occurring in the afternoons and mainly after he had been given a directive, such as to come inside from playing, to leave the sandpit or to move on to a new activity. Becoming aware of two common threads such as the time of day and the situation leading up to the biting allowed us to realise that Archie was not responding well to requests made of him in the afternoon. This opened up a conversation about sleep. Over the past few weeks, he had recently dropped his day sleep entirely and his general mood was far grumpier in the afternoons because of that. It meant that his patience was tested and his ability to comply with processes was compromised. When a child is tired and in the process of dropping asleep, we know they need to be handled carefully. By becoming aware of the day, time and sleep sensitivity, mum and dad introduced a sleep every third day to help make the transition more gradual. We also suggested moving the bedtime routine forward by an hour, meaning that Archie would have his bath much earlier. Mum, Dad and the educators changed the way they approached afternoon play and allowed Archie more choice of when to move on from an activity. Rather than giving a directive such as come inside now, we discussed rephrasing this to Archie, are you ready to have a bath or shower now? By providing some choice and by doing so earlier in the day, it really helped to navigate that frustrating time and the biting decreased at home quickly. It did take a little longer for him to calm at daycare, but the teachers became so much more aware of his triggers and had the ability to support him. In the Toddler Life program on page 53, you will find a copy of a Toddler Life biting chart to help you keep track. Now hitting. The key to reducing and redirecting hitting behavior is to firstly determine why they are hitting at all. It's common for many parents to see their little one hit and to get angry over this behavior rather than to try to understand its trigger. Many parents will say or even yell, don't hit, but won't provide their little ones with why they shouldn't hit or give them tools that they can use to replace the hitting. Some parents will hit or smack their child for hitting someone and then explain that hitting is wrong. Well, you can see why that can be a little bit confusing. While we do want to encourage our children to not hit, we also want to ensure we understand why they're hitting in the first place, as this then helps us to guide them away from needing to hit as a response. When we understand the why, we can help give them tools to cope. You might find, similar to biting, that keeping a log of the hitting behavior will really give you insight into the trigger. Is it anger, frustration, boredom, hunger, dehydration, tiredness, attention-seeking, all of the above? If hitting is a very new behavior for your little one, and you can't seem to link it with a specific trigger. Think back to when you first began to notice your little one hitting and determine if any changes were happening at the time, such as a new daycare, a new addition to the family, transitioning to a big bed, mummy or daddy going back to work, teething, changes 
to an otherwise predictable routine. Understanding your little one's triggers may help you to navigate around these and be prepared when they do occur. Even if you can't put your finger on what the stressor is for your toddler, you can still take steps that will eventually make them less likely to turn negative emotions into hitting you or anybody else. Where possible, giving plenty of one-on-one attention can help them to feel confident and comfortable and secure. Allowing for lots of playtime with active games to help burn off steam can also help as well. When you see a little one hitting or about to hit, it's important to stay as calm as possible and teach your little one that hitting is not acceptable. When possible, interrupt the hit by holding their hand or moving it away from you or the other child or person and communicate with your little one that you understand their emotion or reason but give them a different method of coping. For example, if you have worked out that your little one is most likely to hit when they need to share a toy, you can begin to keep an eye out and look for that frustration. Look for those little signs that it's brewing if your little one is on a play date. As you begin to see your little one become frustrated, and as parents, we all know that feeling when we can see our kids are just on the cusp of losing it. As you begin to see their frustration mount, or perhaps you've seen them actually hit another child, you may find it helpful to follow these steps. In the event that somebody has been hurt by your toddler's action, go to the hurt one first and role model compassion for your toddler to see. Ask the hit child or toddler what they need. This will demonstrate to your toddler that this sort of behavior does not receive instant attention. If we can guide our children with compassion and empathy rather than with punishment, it's more likely that the situation will not turn into a power struggle and they will then learn more effective ways of exploring their world and expressing their emotions. If your child is beginning to become frustrated, you may like to intervene and distract your little one with another toy or activity if you feel comfortable doing so. You may even need to remove them at times to help them calm down. You can say, I understand you are upset because Sam wanted to use your toy. However, we do not hit. Hitting Sam really hurt him and now he's upset. Instead of hitting, we must use our words and our gentle hands. You may like to even demonstrate using gentle hands by gently stroking your child's arm. Once your little one has calmed down, you may like to encourage them to say sorry to the other child if it's age appropriate and you feel comfortable. You may like to then give your little one a hug or just encourage them to use gentle hands. For older toddlers, you may also like to help create a solution or an alternative action with them. This could be along the lines of, instead of hitting... What can we do when we are unhappy? Involve them in problem solving. What can we do to now make Sam feel a little brighter? Creating a solution and problem solving together could be as simple as encouraging your child to come and find you so that they can express their frustration in a safe space or even just to remove themselves from a situation. For others, this may be encouraging them to use their words. 
You may like to encourage your child to say sorry to the victim or encourage your child to collect a toy for them to play with or share as a peace offering. The importance of emotions. As adults and parents, we have experienced our fair share of emotions, haven't we? However, can you remember who actually taught you about these and what they mean? It's unlikely that you can. Many of us were just expected to navigate through emotions alone and put two and two together. It's also important to remember that even as adults who have maybe 20, 30, 40, 50 years plus experience, we still get angry. We still lose our shit. We still have our own off days. We cannot expect our little ones to react on emotions if we can't even uphold a standard. We need to be able to give our children room to learn, grow and experience a variety of emotions, but also understand that they are only human and they are going to make so many mistakes. They're still so little. If you place an adult expectation on a child, you're quite simply setting them up to fail. A child's brain is not an adult brain. Once we begin to see these behaviors as needing help rather than needing discipline or needing to be fixed, we can begin to truly help our little ones start the long journey of navigating the complexity of emotions. Use opportunities as invitations to discuss feelings with your little ones. Expose them to the language in relevant situations when age appropriate for them to understand. When your little one is feeling all those feels, help them to label the emotion and help them to understand what they are feeling. Notice I'm saying help, not fix. As you continue to provide them with this language, they will then be better able to label what they are feeling next time. It's normal for some repetition to be needed. Isn't that the truth in all areas of parenting? It is rinse and repeat. But continuing to give them the language will help reduce their frustration and need to act out physically. Like anything, we need to practice. Practice is such an important skill for children to grasp. So provide opportunities for children to practice positive skills like sharing and taking turns, play dates, just any sort of interaction. It's also important to focus on the good and not just the bad. If your little one is happily playing and behaving well, let them know. If your little one uses their words to communicate their frustration or anger, thank them. Thank them seriously for using their words. Congratulate them, encourage them, tell them how proud you are of them. Once little ones see that the more attention and focus comes from positive behavior over negative, they will be more inclined to continue to practice those positive behaviors. Remain persistent in identifying, redirecting, and providing your little one with different tools and you will begin to see your little one pass through this phase. I know it's a lot. It's a freaking lot to feel like you are the role model and to feel as though you have so much pressure on you to guide your children. But as I said, it's not about fixing. It's not about being perfect. 
It's helping and it's having realistic expectations. Expect your toddler to act like a toddler and you won't be disappointed. I hope this episode has been helpful for you. Remember, for 25% off Toddler Life, by using the code all in capitals toddler podcast at the checkout at thekindparentingcompany.com. Thanks for listening to today's episode. Be sure to hit subscribe and also to head over to thekindparentingcompany.com to check out our resources. We hope to see you in the forum soon. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.